0: Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. If I have not had a chance to meet you yet, uh, my name is Alan Pittman. I have the pleasure of being able to serve as uh, senior pastor as well as one of the elders here at Living Hope and we are thrilled that you're with us whether you're here in the building or whether you're worshiping online. Uh, We are glad that you are here today. Um, For those of us that are here today, we're actually here um, on a little bit of a different day, and you'll see as the sermon kind of moves along what I mean by that. And one of the first clues when you came in may have been the backside of your worship guide because there is nothing written there. And so I will get to that in just a moment. Uh, This week has been a a difficult week as. Different uh, church leaders are looking at different decisions that may need to be made and then also the opportunity for us as a church family to speak into those decisions. And so what I want to begin with this morning is, if you are a church member, uh, definitely, or if you consider this your church home, we would invite you to stay for a short meeting after this service uh, to kind of talk about some things that are going on that the church needs to know about, and uh, it will include a vote uh, in a few weeks. And so we would just want to invite you to come be a part of that. And so what will happen is at the end of the service, uh, we would ask you to go get your kids um, from children's areas as quickly as you can and bring them back in here if you're staying for the meeting. If you're not staying for the meeting, then you can uh, dismiss yourself. But uh, like I said, we, we strongly invite every church member to stick around for this important meeting after the service. But along those lines, I, this week, um, have been... Um, trying to figure out what I wanted to preach, and and as I thought about the events of this week, and as I thought about the events over the last two years as a church family, it's definitely been uh, good times of blessing while also challenging times in various ways, and so as I thought through that, I was like, okay, what do we need to do, what do I need to do um, to be able to help lead us as a church family through some of the things uh, in in our lives, And, and I realized I need to do a better job. Of calling us to come to the Lord in prayer and to seek His face um, as uh, we make decisions in our life as we make decisions in our in our family, as we make decisions at church, as we make decisions at work, wherever we go, that we would not be making decisions on our own, but that we would be seeking the Lord and his guidance for any decision that we might uh, need to make. And so I have struggled this week uh, with a text. Uh, I've gone back and forth and I've looked at this text and that text and thought about this passage and thought about this topic because we're in the middle of, uh, we started last week, a, a, a short series on bringing glory to God through his church and that God brings glory to his, himself through his people. And, and so I thought, where, where do we need to go today? And I acknowledge on the front end that we as a church can only bring glory to the Lord if we are individually and corporately seeking his face and repenting of sin that may be in our lives. And so this morning, I'm going to encourage us to look at a text of scripture from the book of Joel Uh, Joel is in the Old Testament. It's one of the minor prophets, uh, which means it's a shorter book. If you don't know where Joel is, it kind of blends in with a lot of other of the small books. If you need to look at your table of contents, do that. If you want to turn to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel... That's where you'll find it. So kind of go to Isaiah and Jeremiah and go a little bit further in your Bible, and you'll get to Joel. If you don't have a Bible with you, grab one near you. It should be in a seat underneath you or around you, and um, then also we, I think, are going to have the words or the, the text on the screen. I think my sermon notes may be on the screen as well. Uh, things uh, kind of developed um, last night. Uh, typically, I'll know where I'm going uh, all week long. Um, last night at about 9.30 p.m., 9.45 p.m. is when I started studying this text and getting ready for it. Not because I was avoiding sermon prep all week, but because I just didn't know where I was supposed to go. And so this morning, I feel led that this is where we're supposed to be. I'm going to walk us through the text. I'm not going to do as much preaching as much as just kind of guiding us And then some of you that are leaders in the church received an email from me, and it probably was after midnight, so you may not have even seen it. But what I'm going to do is, uh, periodically through the sermon, I'm going to invite uh, some of our leaders to come and pray as they feel led to do so. If you got the email last night, you saw it. If you didn't, this is kind of the deal If you are a a pastoral staff member, if you're an elder, if you're a deacon, if you're a hope group leader, or if you're a ministry leader, those categories of individuals, um, if you fit one of those criteria and you feel led to come and help lead us in a time of prayer uh, in a moment, then don't hesitate. I've got a microphone up here, and I know it'll be a little bit uh, different than normal, but that's okay because I feel like this is where God's leading us. And uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to spend time with him as a church family, corporately seeking his face, repenting of any sin that we may need to repent of, individually and corporately, seeking his face and, and, and seeking to follow him. Because if we don't do those things, we cannot bring glory to God. We won't bring glory to God. We can't do it in our own strength. We've got to seek his face. Um, at those times as well, um, Eric will come up and will uh, lead a song or sing a song. The, The words won't be on the screen. You may know the songs, you may not. It's designed for us to not just have someone come up and hold a microphone and say a prayer up here. Rather, it's designed for us to all pray wherever we are. And maybe as you hear the topics, you may say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be holding the microphone, but I need to be at the altar. I need to be on my knees and my chair. I need to posture myself in a way to seek the Lord as well. So. I want this to be active and participatory as we go through this morning, and I don't know how it's going to go, and I was talking with Eric before the service, I'm not worried about a sermon being successful or going the right way. Rather, I sense the Lord leading me to lead us in this way corporately, and so I'm asking you to come along for the journey and see how the Lord may lead us. So Joel chapter 2. We really don't know much about Joel. The name Joel shows up in the Old Testament, I I believe, 13 or 14 times, different men by that name. We don't really know anything about this prophet, honestly. We don't know when it was written. We don't know the circumstances exactly. There's no historical things in there as far as, like, in the year that so-and-so was the king. It doesn't identify those kinds of things. It's a little bit more generic and so we don't know all the particulars, and really those particulars don't matter as much as getting into God's Word and what it says in this short book. In chapter 1, we see that, that, that uh, he's talking to the people, and more than likely it's the people of the southern kingdom, which is Judah, in the area around Jerusalem, and he's speaking with them in chapter 1 about a plague of locusts and I'm not going to take the time to read it, but you may want to look at it or jot it down in uh, Joel chapter 1 verse 4. It describes the devastating plague of locusts. We don't really know the scenario of why those locusts are there other than it appears that it's the judgment of the Lord, and the Lord is judging the people for their sin, and he's sent locusts upon them. Now, what I'm not saying is that there are locusts descending upon Living Hope Baptist Church, but I do know this, that if there is sin in my life, if there is sin in the leader's lives, if there's sin in your life, then we need to repent of that so that we can see the glory of the Lord and his blessing instead of his judgment. And so that's kind of the scenario that we have. We don't know all of the details. But because this judgment was coming, it was designed to turn them back to the Lord. My question for us is, could it be that we as a church also need to turn back, in a sense, to the Lord in a similar fashion? So the sermon title that I chose this morning is Solemn Assembly. Solemn Assembly. And you'll see as we read the text why I chose that title. Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. It's on the hills of describing the devastation of the, of the plague of locusts. And here's what it says. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend or tear your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. And then solemn assembly is going to show up in this next verse, in verse 15. He said, blow a trumpet. Sometimes the trumpet would be blown to declare that an attack is coming. And that was referenced in chapter 2, verse 1. But in this scenario, it's to call the people to a solemn assembly, to the church, if you will blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly. So this morning, I'm going to keep reading the text, but this morning, I sense the Lord saying to me that he's calling a solemn assembly. And so would we come in a way that would be with our hands open to the Lord saying, Lord, do your work. Convict me of sin. Speak to my heart. Show me the way that you want me to go. Speak to us corporately because, Lord, we don't want to be out of your will. So he says, call a solemn assembly. Verse 16, gather the people, consecrate or sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders. That's not, in the Old Testament, the elders like what we have here. It's actually talking about the older people, the Folks in their congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. And then it says, between the vestibule, which is kind of the outer court of the temple, and the altar, let the priests, who are the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, and here's what they say, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Father, we come to you right now, sensing that you've called, or at least I do, that you've called us to a sacred assembly this morning. God, I don't know what you want to do in this place. I don't know what you want to do in our hearts, but get me out of the way. God, I pray that you would prompt some of our leaders of our church in a moment to come and to pray and to lead us in a time of prayer and that God it wouldn't just be because Alan wants us to pray and it wouldn't just be because that's the next thing on the agenda but God may our hearts be fully engaged with yours this morning. May we seek your face. May we repent of our sin. May we turn from our evil ways and may we follow you and follow you alone and may we clearly hear your voice. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So there's four things I want us to see in the text this morning, and in each of these sections, at the end of the section, there will be a time of response for us to pray. And at those moments, I won't uh, like plead with you, but if you're one of those leaders that I just described, if you're one of those leaders and it comes time to prayer and you feel like God is prompting you to lead us in that prayer, come this direction. If more than one of you come, I'll let you go on the next one, all right? There's nine different people that I need to help lead us in prayer this morning. The first point is this. God is calling us to return to him, God's calling us to return to Him. You'll see at the beginning of verse uh, twelve, or uh, yeah, in verse twelve, verse twelve it says, "Return to Me," and it's the words of the Lord. It's not Joel asking them to turn to the Lord; it's the Lord Himself saying, "Return to Me, come back to Me." It begins in verse twelve with the words, "Yet even now," He's saying, "Even now there is punishment and devastation from these locusts, but yet even now there is hope, and that hope is found in the Lord." The Lord is judging them for their sin, yet there is still hope. So regardless of where we are as a church family, regardless of what's going on in our lives, regardless of the depths of our despair, or or, or our sadness, or our confusion, or our sin, the Lord can redeem that, and he can do his work. In order for us to experience this hope, God calls us back to himself. In the New Testament, the word that would be used would be the word repent. What he's saying is you've got to see your sin. Turn from that sin. Come back to me. Repent for your sin. I want us to read the short phrases in verse 12 and 13, and yet they are so rich. When he says return to me or repent of your sin, what are we supposed to do? He says you're supposed to fast. You're supposed to weep. You're supposed to mourn. You're supposed to rent your hearts. What's all of that about? Fasting is a process that we use to seek the Lord. We don't eat for a certain period of time so we can seek the Lord instead of seeking food or nourishment that way. We're to weep, he says. We're to weep over our sin. When is the last time that you and I have literally wept over our sin? He says we're to mourn. In this case, we're not mourning the death of anyone. Rather, we're mourning for our sin and the offense that our sin is to the Lord. And then in that culture, whenever they would be grieving the loss of someone, like mourning the death of someone, and or they were repenting of sin, they would signify it by tearing their clothes. Do you you remember some of those passages in the Old Testament? Well, in this scenario, what what the Lord is saying is, I don't need you to tear your garments at the beginning of verse 13. What I need you to tear or rend is your hearts. And what he's saying is the heart is the inner man. It's our will. He says, let go of your will. Repent of your sin. Say, Lord, it's no longer my will. It's your will be done. When's the last time? That you acknowledge sin and i don't mean sin in its general terms but in its uh, specific way when is the last time you acknowledged sin in your life and repented of that sin it's time for us church to turn back to the lord for some of us in this room we can't turn back to the Lord because we never turned to the Lord to begin with. And what I mean by that is the first step of repentance that we need to take is an understanding that, that God created us to be in perfect relationship with him. But the problem is that all of us have sin in our lives and we reject God's plan. We go our way and because of that we are out of communion or fellowship or relationship with the Lord and we are separated from him forever because of our sin. But in the New Testament, we see the account of Jesus coming, and it, as, as Howard talked a moment ago, that Jesus lived a perfect life, yet was, it was tempted in every way we are, yet was without sin, and because he followed the Lord perfectly, God in the flesh, he died a death that the Lord planned all along on the cross in our place for our sin. And that if we would repent of our sins and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the de- uh, his death on the cross and his resurrection three days later, that we could have our sins forgiven. So this morning, I feel like in this room, there are two types of people that need to repent. Some who need to repent for the very first time and say, Lord, I'm tired of going my own way. I repent of my sin. I trust in you for salvation. I say yes to you today. And others of us, we need to repent of other sin in our life we are a follower of jesus but we've allowed sin to pile up and get in our way and we need to say father we i am a sinner please forgive me of my sins here are some things that i think we need to repent of not all of us but i think some of these broad categories would hit all of us like i said some of us need to repent of sin in general to be experience salvation other others of us need to repent of going through the motions Everything we do is external. We may look good on the outside, but internally we have sin in our hearts. Others of us, we have a sinful life that we're involved in. We're addicted to something. We have habits. We have patterns of sin that we need the Lord to break loose those chains of sin. Others of us, we need to repent of not sharing the gospel. We know Jesus is our Lord and Savior, but we haven't told anybody lately about their need to trust in Him for salvation. Others of us need to repent for not being a part of disciple-making. We're not becoming a disciple, we're not making disciples, and we need to repent of that. Others of us, we need to repent of something within the life of our church. Maybe you need to repent for not serving. You're a member of the church and you haven't served anywhere in years. The Lord's calling you to repent of that. Others of us, we're members of the church, we're not giving generously financially, we need to repent of that. Others of us, we're not caring for others in the body or outside the body, we need to repent of that. Others of us, we're not gathering with the congregation. Like our health and our schedule would allow us to be in the building, but we're just watching it whenever it's convenient. We're not gathering with the congregation. There's many different ways that we need to repent this morning. I'm going to ask Eric to go ahead and come up here. And he's going to play a song. We're going to sing with him if you know the words, but we're going to posture ourselves for prayer. We're going to posture ourselves for repentance. And I'm I'm going to call for someone. I'm not going to call you by name, but one of those leaders, a, a pastoral staff, elder, deacon, hope group leader, ministry leader. If I could have one of those leaders come this way, don't be bashful. And I'm going to give you the microphone. I'm going to ask you to pray for us. That you would ask the Lord to help us to return to him in a posture of sincere repentance. So would you uh, bow your head for prayer? And in just a moment, if you feel led to come and pray at this altar, if you feel led to turn around at your seat, I want us to take a few moments to just repent of sin and turn to the Lord. I'm going to ask one of the leaders, somebody come this way and lead us in this time of prayer. Go ahead and sing Eric as someone comes this direction.
1: Lord, I come i uh-huh.
2: Father God, um, we come before you, Lord, um, in humility, um, recognizing that um, we as your people uh, need to come before you every day. The Father, especially uh, here gathered together, um, Lord, we repent uh, of evil, of the wickedness around us, uh, the wickedness in our own hearts. Um, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be faithful. broken people that we are, trusting that um, and acknowledging that we need you. Jesus is the sacrifice you made for us on the cross. Uh, Father, help us be bold to go um, to a brother or a sister, uh, to confess our sins to one another. Uh, Father, help us be washed clean. Lord, I pray that you would. Any, any sin that's uh, in our lives, you would bring it to light um, for sin and evil and wickedness cannot survive in the light, for you are the source of the light. Um, it has to have darkness, Lord, so I pray that the darkness would be uh, banished in the light of your presence. Lord, by your Spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict us where we need conviction, that you would guide us where we need guidance would help us to weep with each other when weeping is needed, to rejoice with each other when rejoicing is needed. Father, help us uh, not to be judgmental of one another, let uh, to recognize that we are all your children um, on this path uh, to you. Um, Father, just uh, help us uh, right now. I pray that you'll convict us right now. Need to pray in your seat, or if you want to come to the altar here, uh, it's okay. Both well, is okay. No one is going to think less of you for it. Um, but uh, do as, as the Lord, as you feel the Lord leading, as you feel the Holy Spirit leading. This
0: so morning is designed for us to seek the Lord. If I start talking and the Lord's working on you and you don't need to hear a thing I'm saying, you need to continue to do what the Lord's doing in your seat, pay attention to him and be responsive to him. If in the middle of my sharing with you this morning you feel led to come and pray at the altar, please do that. We want to seek the Lord together as a church family. So in this first sense, we see that the Lord is calling us to return to him. The good news for us is that the Lord, when He responds, you'll see on the screen, the Lord responds according to His character. How, how incredible that is. When we repent of our sins, the Lord responds according to His character and not our character. Listen to verse 13. We can return to the Lord your God because He is gracious, He is merciful. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. In just a moment, we're going to spend time praying for each of those four character traits of the Lord. In just a moment, not yet, but just a moment, I'm going to need four leaders to come this way. And when you come here, remind me to hand you a little prayer slip so you can remember which part you're praying for. And at our seats and at at the altar, we want to spend time praising the Lord and thanking him for his incredible character. Because if these character traits weren't true of the Lord, then it wouldn't be a good experience to come back to the Lord because we'd come back to the Lord and he'd be zapping us and getting ready to off us. But rather, just as we see Jesus tell the story in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son, even though the son has been wallowing in his sin... And he goes back to the father and he says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Take me back as a servant. What does the father do? He welcomes him in as a child, as his son, and throws a party. And the reason is is because the character traits that we see in verse 13 of Joel chapter 2 is true of the Lord. This verse, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, that is said over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Perhaps that verse is familiar to you. And the reason it's familiar is because it's used so many times in the Old Testament because it clearly and correctly describes the character of our great, powerful, sovereign Lord. The first place it's recorded, which we're not going to turn back and look at it, but you can jot it down if you'd like to. The first place, this verse, the, this formula, if you will, of who God is is found in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. A couple of chapters prior to that, here's what happens. The people of God are in, 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 at Mount Sinai. God has released them from captivity in Egypt. They're going towards the promised land. Moses goes up to heaven. I'm sorry, up to heaven. Goes up to the mountain and gets the tablets, the Ten Commandments. Do you remember what the people are doing down below? They're getting mad at Moses. They're getting mad at God. They're saying, take us back to Egypt. We don't like it here. They end up making a golden calf. Do you remember all of that? Moses comes down, God's a bit angry, so is Moses. What are these people doing? They're rejecting the leader that God has for them, but most importantly, they're rejecting God and building other idols. And because of that, the tablets get broken, and then God sends him back up to the mountain to give him the tablets again. And when he comes back to deliver the tablets again, in the depths of the sin of the people, these words are spoken about who the Lord is. Guys, it doesn't matter where you are as an individual or where we as a church are. If we are on a wrong path, the Lord can correct us and direct us back to follow him. He can redeem any situation. And we can come in confidence to, to him that we can repent of our sin because of who he is. Let's look real quickly at those four character traits. And then, I, again, I'm going to ask for four leaders to come up in just a moment and pray for each one of those. To say that the Lord is gracious means that he gives us what we don't deserve. The grace that's available to us because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Our salvation is not based on our works. Our standing with God is not based on our works. It's a free gift from God. He does not, he gives us what we don't deserve. And then he says he's merciful. That's the flip side. And to say that the Lord is merciful means that he spares us what we do deserve. When we repent of our sin, he removes the thing that we deserve and gives us something better. So whenever we are lost, without hope, without Jesus Christ, we are headed to death. We are headed to hell. And God gives us salvation when we trust in Jesus. And then he removes the punishment of hell. So he shows us mercy. I love the fact that it says he's slow to anger. He's patient with us, unlike almost everybody in this room. When something doesn't go our way, whenever things aren't happening, we are quick to respond in anger. And then it says that he's steadfast love. A never-ending kindness and goodness and mercy of God. It's the Old Testament word hesed which is found all throughout the Old Testament of God's amazing, abounding, never-ending, everlasting kindness and goodness to us. So I'm wondering, could we spend some time just praising the Lord and thanking Him for who He is, specifically that He is gracious, that He is merciful, that He is slow to anger, and that He has steadfast love for us. In just a second, I'm going to ask... Eric, to sing again for us. I want us to be in a posture of prayer. If you want to come and pray at this altar, you can. If you're one of those leaders and you feel led to pray over one of these, I need four of you to come this way. I'll give you the sheet so that you'll know what you're praying for. And then as they pray, don't just be zoned out. Don't just say, oh, that's an official prayer. No, we're invited, all of us, to pray alongside. They're leading us in prayer. They're not saying the prayer for us. So, Eric... Would we sing or just sing again and let's pray and I, I need four leaders to come this way.
3: buried him, Father, um, gave him another opportunity to come to know you. Thank you for the mercy you showed in the answer to prayer. Father, when my precious wife stopped breathing that night, and went to the wife's room, and I begged you, Father, to give her back to gave me six more weeks, Father, six more precious weeks with her, and gave me the opportunity to understand that it was not your intention that she continue on in this world. Thank you, Father, that you you bless us so richly. Father, you're so
4: patient with us and
0: you're the perfect example of the Father and, and I, I pray that uh, that I'm as patient with my family as, as you are with me
3: um, you're slow to anger you love us endlessly Lord I pray that I can reflect on these things fully and understand what you want from us and what you want from me and how you want me to to live my life Lord I pray that I give that to you
4: Dear Lord, God Almighty, Lord, I know your love and how deep it goes. Lord, I just uh, reflect back on my own life and my wickedness and the depth of my sin. Lord, uh, even when I was addicted to my sin, Lord, and, and living in active rebellion against you, God, you were there and you loved me and you never gave up on me God and as deep as my sin runs in me God your love goes deeper Lord thank you for loving me when I don't deserve it never given up God Lord I owe you everything because of your mercy just pray that uh, my life would reflect
1: it.
0: So we can return to the Lord. We can have confidence that he responds in accordance to his character. The third thing we see is that the Lord gives blessing instead of disaster. The Lord gives blessing instead of disaster. Look at the end of verse 13. It says that the Lord relents over disaster. Verse 14 says, who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. The ending of verse 14 is a bit different. It says maybe the Lord will relent or turn or not bring disaster to us. Maybe he'll alleviate the pain because the, 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 the discipline is being removed when we repent of our sin. But the end of verse 14 says maybe he'll leave a blessing behind him. It'll be a grain offering. It'll be a drink offering. You're like, well, hold up. I thought we give a drink offering and a, a, and a grain offering to the Lord. How is he leaving it for us? Well, you've got to remember what was going on in chapter 1. The locust came and ate everything. There was no harvest. The people could not bring a grain offering because there was no grain to bring. In fact, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but you can go back and look at chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 13, and you can see that's the case. But what the Lord is saying is, what Joel is saying through, the Lord is saying through Joel is that, that, that the Lord is going to bring them blessing where the harvest comes again. And guys, we must be careful. The blessing is not for our benefit. The blessing is to bring him glory and honor. And so the reason he's bringing the grain back to them is so that they can honor him and bless him and worship him and give him honor. So in our lives, whenever blessing comes our way, and I'm not talking about I'm gonna to go to the post office, I'm gonna to go to the mailbox, name it and claim it blessing. I'm saying whatever blessing he gives you, the next breath, the next paycheck, the next conversation, the next interaction with another believer, the next whatever he gives us, may those blessings be used for his glory and his sake. Instead of soaking up blessing, God bless them so that they would return it to him they were blessed to be a blessing all too often we forget all of this and we focus entirely on my blessing and what i get so in this moment could we take a moment to pray to the lord that he would spur us on to action so that in the midst of the blessings of life that we don't hang on to that ourselves, but rather that we would return those blessings of life back to him as an act of worship and as an offering to him so that he can use it and experiencing God as we're walking through that uh, as a group um, upstairs on Sunday mornings, we're reminded that the Lord does his work through his people that are repentant and listening to him. And so I'm saying if we'll respond to him, he will bless us and he will use us if we will make ourselves available so i'm gonna ask eric to lead us in another song and as he does that i need one leader to come this way and that leader will have an opportunity for us to pray that the lord would allow us to take the things that we have and offer it back to the lord and say lord these are yours this isn't my house This isn't my money. This isn't my job. This isn't my car. This isn't my opinion. This isn't my smarts. It isn't my ingenuity. It isn't my speaking ability. It isn't my extrovertedness. It isn't my introvertedness. It isn't my desire to serve. It isn't my desire to give an offering. It's his, and he uses that to be a blessing. We need to posture ourselves for that. So let's sing. Let's bow in prayer. The altar's open. Your seat is open. And I need one, one leader to come this way that'd be willing to lead us in this time of prayer. Let's sing.
1: Come behold the works of God, the nations at his feet.
5: Father, we thank you that you've you have richly blessed all of us. Um, just living where we live right now, Father, in the time that we live in, you've you've put us in the situations to where we can we can we can bless other people, no matter our salary, no matter um, what we do, no matter the things that you've uh, allowed us to have, Father. That that we can all look to sacrifice. We can, we can all look to. Get rid of things, we can all look to um, change our change our circumstances change our change our goals uh, to be more in line with what you would have us do father so we don 't we don 't look to this to be prideful and to say look, look what i 'm giving away father look what look what i 'm doing for you but but more importantly, we repent of the things that we that we that we try to hang on to because because we feel like we 've earned them that we we're successful and that, that we deserve this, Father. When the whole world screams at us that um, these are the things that we deserve because of our hard work, that, that we look to your scripture and we look to what you're saying here even this morning, but all throughout your word, uh, that we're, we've been given these things as your children to bless other people, whether that's by giving to the church, by, by giving items to people in need on our street, um, by giving our time, by giving just our talents, you know, our, our, and our treasure, Father, we, we have to look to you, listen to you, and see where, where you're moving in our hearts. We don't look to that as an outward sign of tearing our clothing like, like we just read in Scripture, but as an inward sign of tearing our heart, Father. So, so break us this morning of our possessions and our our things that we think we deserve to keep. And show us where you'd have us give back to you. We pray that in Jesus' name.
1: Amen.
0: So with those things being said, I want us to look at those last three verses. What I've tried to lead us in this morning is a sense of a solemn assembly, and we see in verses 15 through 17 that that after all of that is being said, they're called to blow the trumpet, to consecrate a fast, to call a solemn assembly, to gather the people, to consecrate the congregation, and to assemble all the people, whether they're old or young, or even if they have things going on, they're to come and to worship, and the priests are to cry out on behalf of the people. So the fourth point is to gather in a solemn assembly. Gather in a solemn assembly. The purpose of an assembly is for us to fast, to seek the Lord, to seek his guidance. The purpose of an assembly is to gather the people. It's all of God's people. It's the old, the young. No one's to be missing. We looked last week at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the body, that every part of the body matters. Like, if you aren't here, then we miss you. When you aren't here, you miss us. And God is calling all of his people to gather together. We can't forsake the assembly of the saints. As you notice, it said, even those with commitments, the bride and the groom, they are to leave the wedding party and come to the sacred assembly. It says that they're to be consecrated or sanctified. They're to be made into the people of God. They're made to be ready to worship the Lord. The purpose of us to repent of our sins and turn to the Lord is that he would sanctify us and make us more into his holy people. They were to come together to pray, seeking the Lord with all that they had. And then the last verse calls on the, the leaders. Calls on the spiritual leaders as well as anyone else. Not just the leaders, but specifically it does say leaders, which is why I'm calling on the leaders to come and pray with us and for us today. This is designed to lead the people to do the same thing the leaders were doing. Look at the two ways in verse 17, the leaders were to lead out. They were to pray for two things. They were praying that the people would be spared, that the Lord would have compassion on them. And then the second one is that the name of the Lord would not be mocked. Yet all too often in our own lives, we live in a way that mocks the Lord's name. And When people see us, they're turned off from God. They're turned off from the church because we're not living an authentic christian life we are called for god to have compassion on us as well as to make us into his people that his name would be glorified so i want us to basically finish our time of walking through the sermon together by celebrating or or having i I should say a, a sacred or solemn assembly and I'm going to invite three people and I'll share with you in just a moment what they're praying for. I'm going to invite three of our leaders to come and lead in this next portion of prayer. And if you sense through all that the Lord has said this morning and everything that we find in Joel chapter two, if you sense that the Lord is calling you to repent of sin, to turn to him, to trust in him, to rely upon his goodness, his grace, his loving kindness, his mercy, his long suffering, then you can pray that your seed and you can Pray here at the altar. And then after this time, we'll respond with congregational singing. I'll be available in the front. You can come with me, to me to share any prayer that you may have. And we'll worship the Lord together. But we want to sense the Lord's direction in our lives. So I'm going to invite three people to come. One will pray that the Lord would move among all of our people, regardless of their age. That the Lord would use all of our church body. The second person will pray that we would live in a way that's consistent with the name of the Lord. And then the third person is going to ask that the Lord would consecrate us, sanctify us, make us into his obedient people. So if I would have three other leaders to come up here and lead us in this time of prayer, that would be great. As Eric plays for us, as we pray there in our seats, as we participate in this next portion of the prayer time, I'm inviting three leaders to come this way.
6: stages of life. Some of us are beginners and some of us are seniors. We all have different needs, different parts, different, just call them stages. We're at different places in our lives. But regardless of our ages, of our stages, we ask that you move in our life, Lord, we ask that you grow us, not just in knowledge, not just in wisdom, but in relationship with you, because without you, we can do nothing. Knowledge of you is useless. Wisdom of you is useless without that relationship. To be able to be with you, to know you intimately, is the most precious thing in all. So we'll meet us where we're at. We thank you because that's what you do. You meet us where we're at. We don't have to come and seek you. Well, we seek you, but you come to us. You're always there. You're, we're never lost from you. You don't know where we're at. It all does. Come to us. Use us in whatever stage we're at. Grow us to the next. Move throughout this body, Lord. These things we ask in your son Jesus' name.
7: Father, help us to live a life that's consistent with the name. Lord, in your word it says that we love you because you first loved us. Christ says that they will know that you're my disciples, by the way, that you love one another. Father, in that love, um, that love will mark our lives to those around us. Lord, your love reaches down takes us from where we were to where we need to be Christ says it's not the healthy who are in need of a physician but the sick father help us to be the hands and feet of Christ to those around us father sitting with the sick clothing the naked feeding the hungry helping the poor Father, that's the true religion, is to uh, comfort orphans and widows, Father God. Help us to help us help our lives to be marked by that name, the name of Christ who loves all and who gives himself up for all.
8: Father, it says at the end of Ecclesiastes, Now all has been heard, and this is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Father, forgive us when we feared other things but you. And Father, forgive us, Lord, when we haven't kept your commandments, Lord. Lord, may we be people who fear nothing but your name. That, Lord, no matter what is going on in the world around us, Lord, we fear nothing but your name. I'm going to, real quick, um, if you want to turn with me to Isaiah 58, I'm going to walk through this real quick and and just pray it. I just want to unpack what it means for a solemn assembly. It's not 30 minutes on Sunday. um, And I think we know that. But I'm just going to read and pray as I go. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. Hear what he's saying. These people thought they were seeking the Lord. They asked me, for righteous judgments they delight to draw near to God why have we fasted fasting is right that was something they did as a as a corporate thing it's kind of what we're doing here it's the corporate external sign of you know showing reverence for God why have we fasted and you haven't seen it why we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it behold in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and you oppress all your workers behold you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist fasting like the ears this day will not make your voice be heard on high is this the fast that i choose this is my question to y'all is this the fast that we choose a day to humble our hearts on a sunday morning is it to bow down our head like Reads and spread sackcloth and ashes, however you want to translate that in the 21st century. Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to let go of the sin in our hearts and also to declare that and pray that for others, to undo the straps of the yoke? to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your, your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless, pour into your house? <laughs> when you seek the naked to cover it and to not hide yourself from your own flesh, and then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing like just bring up speedily your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here am I. Guys, there's nothing you want in this world more than to say, here I am, Lord. And him to say, here I am. That's what you want in the dark nights of your soul. Oh, I'm sorry. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the fingers and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And you shall, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breaches, the restore of the streets to dwell in. Father, forgive us when we just go through the motions. Lord, forgive us when we have a Spotify playlist. Lord, are we, we Instagram hashtag coffee and Jesus hashtag blessed. Father, forgive us when we rend our garments and not our hearts, Lord. Father, may we be a people who are consecrated to you. Father, may the desire of our souls be nothing more than you. Father, our treasure is not this world, Lord. This world is not enough. Lord, you make it very clear Jesus is our great and precious reward. So, Father, help us consecrate ourselves. Lord, even teach us what that means, Lord. We are so far removed from it. We don't even see our own wickedness, Lord. So, Father, in your grace and in your mercy, Lord, in this time and even as we go through the week, Lord, Father, let us see the depths of our despair, the depths of the darkness that's in our soul, Lord, so that we can rightly repent and set ourselves apart from you. Father, I thank you for this body. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for what you have done in this church in the past, what you are doing, and, Father, what you have called us to in the future. Father, we cannot do it. If we don't humble ourselves before you, we
0: love you so much. So as we uh, come to the close of this time, if you're a guest, I promise you, this is not how the normal service goes, but this is where I felt the Lord leading us. And at the same time, I don't want this to be the end of the solemn assembly. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to give us three things, questions to consider. And then I'm going to lead us in prayer. And during that prayer, the rest of the worship team can come up here. The guys that are taking the offering can get in their places at that point as well. And then whenever we say amen, we'll stand and we'll worship together. Offering plates will be passed. And then uh, you can pray here with me. You can pray at your seat. You can pray at the altar. But let's follow the Lord in his lead. And then the last thing I want to say is this. As important as this sacred assembly has been in this gathering in this place right now... We also need to be able to assemble the church body when we talk about things that are going on in the life of our church and decisions that might need to be made and things like that. And so I know it's later than normal, and I know you may have plans, but I would encourage you, if you're a member of the church, that when we dismiss in a little while, that you would get your kids, come back, and we'll start the meeting in 10 minutes, and then uh, we need all of you to be a part of it. And uh, so we, we value you coming back because we cannot seek the Lord without the entire church family seeking the Lord together. So here's the three questions that I have for us. Where is God calling you to repent? What steps is He asking you to take? And are you willing to follow Him with your whole heart? Let's pray.